Hello and welcome to Doing the Woo, a Doctor Who podcast where we watch, analyse and discuss the crown jewel of Camp TV. I'm Daphne. And I'm Irma. And today's episode is the lovely episode two, The End of the World, aka the episode with Nicki Minaj. Yes! (laughs) My favourite actor. My favourite Doctor Who guest star. (laughs) Irma and I are on our second glass of wine. We thought that would be good for this episode. Mm-hmm. Or for this session. Yeah, we didn't have any wine last time because I was hungover. <laughs> but um, but we usually do our Doctor Who sessions with some wine. With some wine. We did have pizza last time, though. Yeah, we did. Fittingly, because we were doing the p- pizza the, p- the pizza episode, the p- that's right. It's, I'm so disturbed because actually he says pizza. Pa-pa-pa-pizza. Yeah, he says it a lot slower. Yeah, and it's... Mm. And he doesn't say... Pa-pa-pa-pizza. Which is... I don't know where we got that no, from. No, I think he I just saw it... doesn't say it like that. I think I just saw it on, like, GIFs and oh. stuff. And then I like Oh, yeah, it. and then you, like, heard it in your head. Yeah. <laughs> and decided that's how he says it. Irma, how do you feel about uh, our last episode or our first episode? The fact that we our voices are on Spotify and our faces are on Spotify. It feels terrifying. <laughs> and um, I'm never going to think about it for too long. No. <laughs> but it's exciting. Do, do you have any thoughts about last time that you um, have carried over? No. No. I have no thoughts. <laughs> head empty. Um, no, I don't think so. I, um, no, I, I just I noticed that I say yeah a lot. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, god. But so I'm gonna try not to say yeah so much this time. A little bit. Okay. A little bit sexy, but you not can too have much. some. You can have your quota of yeah. Yeah, you can have some yes as a treat. As a treat. Okay, That's I think right. we should. I think we should. Um, what do you call it? Skola. We should... Yeah, what's it called? We should... Um, what? What is it called? I mean, you say cheers, right? Yeah. But what's the verb for, for doing that? Putting your glasses together. Yeah, we're, we're going to make the sound and you can tell us. <laughs> what is this called? <laughs> this is Daphne and Irma's English lesson. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I mean, I know, I know cheers, like... School is like a thing that people say because yeah. it's cooler to say it in Swedish. Anyway, yeah, I we will have a Swedish lesson and say school. Yeah, we can have a Swedish word of the day for every episode. Mm-hmm. This time it's school. <laughs> um, yeah, I think before we get into this episode, I have some news um, that are related to the, the last episode, Rose. Uh, first of all, we talked quite a lot about um the ages of the characters yeah and so i found a tumblr post which is my source (laughs) but they quote other sources uh and it says that uh rose is uh 19 which we know um but there's also the novelization of the episode that was recently published and it was written by russell t davis so Mm -hmm. i count it as i mean it's by the creator so yeah and that novelization. Are you ready? Are you worried for the age of Mickey? <laughs> yeah. He's 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you thought I was going to say like 30. He's our age. Yeah, he's our age. Oh my God. Mickey should be here with us. Oh. Not Noel Clark. No. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey the character. Mickey. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. 
Mm. Oh, Mickey boy. And and like I told you earlier, Billy was 21 and Noel was 28. Okay, I thought Billy was 19 and I said that last episode. So if anyone was like screaming because I was incorrect, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that she was Yeah, stop, stop screaming and start listening to this episode and you'll be fine. Please, everything we say is correct, unless it's incorrect. And then shut in up. In that case, we actually do know the correct answer and we're just choosing not to say it exactly we just haven't told you yeah <laughs> we'll tell you next episode um unfortunately regarding noel clark and we really got into this last time mm-hmm. uh, so i think we should kind of shelve it for the next time because i think i think for unless it comes up but i think both of you and i have said enough what we feel about that situation but um unfortunately there's new news and apparently channel four is doing a documentary called the cancellation of noel clark which is in favor of him oh in favor yeah oh that's terrible that's really terrible yeah um so awful news that's really fucked up i know oh wow i know actually wait hold on i have a screenshot from like the daily mail article that said this okay and then it just says, Channel 4 is facing the wrath of female stars and staff for giving the actor Noel Clark airtime to plead his innocence over groping claims by 20 women. 20? 20 women. That's almost the age of Mickey. <laughs> as many years as Mickey has been alive, he has groped one woman. Exactly. Per year. Mm. No, but he still has two so... to go. So if he comes here and he gropes us, then he's... <laughs> Then he's up there. He probably has groped more than 20. Yeah. If he's groped 20, why would he stop? Like, I'm oh sure there are people God. who haven't said anything. That's horrible. Okay, enemy of the pod, the people who are behind this. Yeah, calling it already. Yeah, yeah, I oh agree. God. I mean, yeah, I just want to be clear. Like, I'm going to... I really like Mickey, and I'm going to talk about him with a lot of affection and fondness. But that doesn't mean that I absolve Noel Clark of like anything that he did. Mm. So I just want to be clear with that. Yeah, I, I think that's obvious, but I think it's maybe important to say just, yeah. Yeah. Separate fact from fiction, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of sounds like the opposite of what I said last episode, how, because it Im- kind of, it impacts me how I feel because I don't, personally, I don't think Noel Clark does a great performance, at least not in Rose. Um, so I'm not like taken away by the character of Mickey and being like, you know, <laughs> I just be like, oh, Noel Clark ass, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll probably, yeah, I I still like Mickey and I feel bad for him. And regarding that, I read also in the Rose novelization, um, it's mentioned that, and again, it's. By Russell T. Davis, so mm-hmm. it counts. Um, Mickey, um, Mickey's dad was abusive, mm. and his mum, and he abused his mum, and his mum killed herself when he Mickey was five. Oh my god! What? And then his and then his dad left, which is why he's with his uh, grandma, which we meet in who we oh, meet in. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Season two, which is also like it's horrible. So yeah, I read a Tumblr post about that, and they were just pissed off about rtd kind of like putting the blame on mickey for like being clingy with rose in the episode rose when 
Like, this is the only person he has left because mm -hmm. his grandma dies when he's 19. So two, three years ago, his mom, grandma died and he's all alone. Oh my god, that's horrible. It's so sad. It's like the most sad thing in the world. That's like, compared to almost any other backstory of any companion, that's like, that's, that, that tops it. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Of it. Even like Amy, who doesn't really have her parents around. But she doesn't know. Like yeah, she just, she, she's just bored. Yeah, and yeah. it's not like she had to go through with like the suicide of a, a parent. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. When you're five. Oof. Oh no. <laughs> what else do you have? Um, yeah, and then also at length we discussed whether Nine, um, this was his like first adventure um, post-regeneration. Okay. And I saw a video by, I think the YouTuber was called Josh Shares. It was quite good. I recommend it. It was just like a 20, 30 minute a long video about like the um, how Doctor Who came back in 2005 in the production of season one so quite relevant for us and mm -hmm. uh, he didn't say any source but he said specifically I can actually I'm gonna probably edit in a clip of Josh saying that um, Ian and I you won't get to hear it because <laughs> I don't have it right now but um, cut for clip in the 15-page pitch document, Russell laid out a few of his intentions with the program. It was decided that the show would continue where the Eighth Doctor left off, but the regeneration between them happened quite some time earlier to the first episode, Rose. Wow, that was really great. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was very well said. And then, and this is Moffat, so I don't know, but um, as we've talked about, not on this podcast, um, Nine was supposed to be in the 50th anniversary instead of the War Doctor, which is the most, like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that pisses me off so much. And we have a long way to go until we get to those episodes, but you're going to hear how fucking, how much I hate the whole War Doctor no. thing. And how much it would have redeemed that episode if Nine was in it. I know. I know. God. Well, anyway. Keep yeah. Going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Nine was supposed to be in it. And uh, I'm going to call him Moff. Cause and it would have been the best episode of all time. Probably, yeah. 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 It is beloved by everyone, still as it is. But I think it would have been even better. Except for me. <laughs> Except for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so his original screenplay, like he wrote the screenplay for Christopher Eccleston to be in it, like to be the leading part. And then he had talks with Christopher Eccleston, who I say Eccleston. I'm gonna say Chris. He's my best friend. Chris. We're close. We're my friend Chris. My friend Chris, um, <laughs> friend of the pod. True. Um, no, but he friend of the pod, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> he. I mean, the fact that he just even went to the BBC and had a meeting about Doctor Who. Like, he's always been like, no, he doesn't want to talk about it and everything. But so, like, it showed promise. But unfortunately. He decided that he wasn't um, emotionally ready after what happened during production. So uh, because of this, he had an original screenplay that he then had to change for the War Doctor. Um, and in that original screenplay of the 50th anniversary, this takes place before episode one, before Rose. And Nine destroys all the mirrors in the TARDIS because he can't 
bear to look at himself in the mirror, knowing what he's done to Gallifrey. No. And, and yeah, <laughs> and he's yeah. So he's newly regenerated at that time, and that's why in Rose, which is kind of like it, uh, he's very like casual about seeing his face in Rose, so it doesn't really add up. But still, yeah. that's why he's hasn't seen his face okay. at that time. If All right. you want to trust uh, Moffat, or Moth. Um, so yeah, those are my notes for. Um, Last week. Last Should we week. get into today's episode? Yeah, so today's episode is uh, The End of the World. Yeah. Which it, takes place in the year 5.5 slash Apple slash 26. I'm so glad we both had that note. <laughs> I had to like rewind the episode and be like, I'm sorry, Apple? <laughs> what? It's uh, so odd. Yeah. And... I mean, I assume the apple thing is an allusion to, like, apple the company and not apple the fruit. What What do you think? 2005, was there was apple that big? I mean, yeah, we had the computer. Yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. Apple was, like... I, I think it's the fruit. <laughs> okay. Maybe. I'm, I'm going to look up... No, but I, I think it was, like, starting to become a thing. Um, and if... If so, I mean, it was pretty prophetic of them to predict that, like, because Apple is still such a huge corporation. Yeah, they basically have a monopoly. Yeah, and, like, if there's going to be any company that <laughs> we name our years after, it's going to be Apple. But it's also, Probably. like, it's not, it's not even, like, it's Apple 3 or Apple, and then it's Apple 4. It's, like, 5.5 slash Apple slash... 26. 26. I just yeah. love that. What does it mean? Um, so yeah, a little episode summaries here in the segments um, mm-hmm. that we're supposed to do. <laughs> um, <Wait. laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, this episode is um, the end of the world, and as in, and don't look at my notes. <laughs> I just see the word "commie doctor." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say, it's uh, obviously the episode. We all know that it's super to have a summary. We all know what episode this is. Yeah. Whatever. It's it's the episode where they go to see the end of the world. And it's the year 5.5 slash Apple slash 26. Yeah, specifically the end of Earth. Yeah, that's what he means. When yeah. the sun like implodes or whatever. It and expands. That's what he says. Yeah, okay. And swallows the Earth. Yeah. So what are our thoughts Spelled as T H O T S. <laughs> yeah. For this episode. I think it's really good. I love this episode. And I think it's. It sets the tone for the show so much better than Rose. Or, well, Rose is still a good episode. Mm. But I. There's like the moment when Toxic is playing over the montage where they're like. Not a montage, but the scene where. They're like running around trying to save this shuttle that they're on. <laughs> it's so, it's like, okay, I know what kind of show I'm watching right now. It's so campy. And uh, while we're on Toxic, um, my notes are that I, <laughs> I think we should have more saving the day montages set to pop music. 
Yes. Yeah, because I was thinking this episode has both tainted love and right. toxic. And this never, this doesn't become a thing in Doctor Who, sadly, that pop music is like randomly playing over the action scenes. But it really should. It should yeah, at be least a thing. once or twice. But it doesn't really happen again. I can't think of any other scene where they have this sort of inserted song. Can I even think of a song that's been played on Doctor Who? I know at one point, I think Bill, Bill's phone signal, what is it called? Like, oh, her, yeah. her ringtone is mm-hmm. Little Mix. <laughs> yes, and the Doctor is a Little Mix fan. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, have you heard of these? Have you heard of them? <laughs> And so I was like, have I heard of them? They're my best friends. Of course. (laughs) Oh, I love him. No, but I don't know if you noticed with Toxic how um, it kind of fades out into the soundtrack. And it's, it's, I thought it was hilarious. And Murray Gold like incorporates the beats of Toxic into the soundtrack. I noticed that as well. That it's it's like completely seamless when Britney Spears becomes Murray Gold. (laughs) It's so wonderful. That's a that's a great title for the episode. Britney Spears <laughs> becomes Murray Gold. Britney Spears Murray Gold collaboration. Yeah, it's very campy, but like it's just like thinking of the aliens, like Cassandra's like the queen of camp. Um, they really went all out with the aliens. I like, there are so many aliens that we never get to see again, and they all have like pretty. Most of them die. That's I mean, I yeah, that's yeah. true. But, like, I'm thinking more in terms of design and, like, the fact that they had to make the costumes for all these random species. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. It reminds me of um, Rings of Akaten because of that. Because in Rings of Akaten you have all these... That's why I love that. Episode. I was also thinking about that. Yeah, and, I, and, mm. and I, I really love that kind of rollout. But at that point, they had a much larger budget yeah. than they did for this episode. So I think it's, like, really impressive that they done all this i mean compared to the previous episode where they just have like actual mannequins probably didn't yeah. they probably didn't even have to manufacture but rather just yeah just real yeah, yeah and then people in them you know. right well yeah i think i think with the aliens in this episode i think some of them work for me some of them don't i obviously the repeated memes incredible yes the little blue guy yes love him he dies no, does he? You didn't know he died. No, I didn't. <laughs> I thought it was going to be... Did you really? He dies, yeah, because he gets burnt to a crisp. I oh, know. Um, I was thinking about... Just um, like the tree guy. The other blue guy. Not the little blue guy. Oh. But the, uh, he's she, okay. No, she's called like... Uh, no, Rafalo. Rafalo. I, I really like her. I like her. I hate her. I hate her little character design because... The, I, I don't mind the blue face. I hate the costume because it looks like she's like an SS soldier with like her little boots clacking and she has got like this big, you know, hamstring pants. Yeah, the, you know, the, the Hitler's a woman pants. Yeah, the breedable, the breedable. Breedable pants. That's a little, um, this is for everyone else who isn't us. Um, <laughs> I randomly found this YouTube channel um, that was like, that was quite anti trans sadly but like in the worst way ever because they were or like in the weirdest way ever because they were just like talking about how like <laughs> like how hitler was a woman and he was um planted and made into a man by um 
by the Catholic Church. <laughs> For what reason? Who knows? And then he like showed a photo of Hitler and I was like, look at these hips. And it's just like the SS soldier pants who are really big and balloony. <laughs> and, and that's that's the kind of pants she was wearing. And I just, no, I just think, yeah, the pants and the shoes and, and like the sound of the shoes on the floor is just like, yeah. But uh, but I liked her. I really like her. Uh, and she dies as well. Yep. And I was thinking this is kind of a continuation of like endearing side characters being brutally murdered. It's her and Clive. Don't mention him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is also like... How and the little blue guy. I mean, this is obviously the start of like where at least someone dies every single episode. Yeah, that's, that's true. But it's very much this. I mean, it's kind of the point of this one, the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, yet, but the, that actual like end of the world—that's not exactly the threat in this episode. No. Even though it's the title of the episode, it's a certain cunty little. <laughs> She's so iconic. I can't believe she's only in two episodes of the entire show. But the fact that she gets to come back, like yeah, I forgot great. that she came back even. So it's even better. I forgot that she was like the villain in this episode. Yeah, I, I have a note that was like, <laughs> why would the repeated memes do this? Why would they do this to me? Why would they kill people? <laughs> and then... I also love that it's the most like obvious evil evil alien kind of thing going on with them where they're just like these cloaked sort of um, death eater like people who just come up and ominously hand people orbs balls balls, balls. <laughs> and have like very deep threatening voices a gift and i think nine <laughs> nine even says towards the end that it's like really predictable that they were the ones doing this. I have the absolute... Because <laughs> he says... When he dis- when he points out that they're not real. That they're, they're just robots. Oh my god. He says the incredible line. A repeated meme is just an idea. And that's all they are. An idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. And, then I sa- and then my note says... He was fighting for his life with this line. He was fighting for his life. Like, why would you give him a line like that? Oh, my God. Okay, so, sadly, Daphne has not read Homestuck. But for any of our, <laughs> for any of our listeners, if you, any of you have read Homestuck and are familiar with um, Pony Pals or Detective Pony, you will know exactly what I'm thinking about and i am going to read that whole section about memes for you daphne tonight oh i thought you're gonna do it now i'm like oh my god no, you, you don't have any book with you i'm like do you know it by heart <laughs> not, i was actually considering it i was like should i read this section because okay so detective pony is a homestuck fan fiction that has a very <laughs> oh, sorry okay that is a very long section where the narrator who's one who's a character in homestuck goes on this tangent about the nature of memes and like ties it in with like um greek philosophy and like aristoteles and it's incredible and it made me think <laughs> it made me think of this 
scene in Doctor Who, <laughs> but it's it's incredibly long. It goes on forever, so I can't read it for you. I'm gonna fall asleep to it. You're reading yes, it's it. gonna be our bedtime story. I yeah, and I think just like right out of the gate, we should say that the poem of the app is. A repeated meme is just an idea. That's all the RNIT. It's Detective Pony. It's, yes! <laughs> Do the reading. Postdoc fanfiction. Oh god, the memes, we love them. The adherence of the repeated meme. Oh. Another alien that we encounter in this episode, who might not be an alien, is the face of Bo. Yeah. Yeah, and um, his character introduction will come in just a couple of episodes. Just like separate from everything else that we know about later on from Face of Bo, mm -hmm. or just any like separate from season three. Yeah, I really like Face of Bo. He seems like a very kind. Me too. Yeah, he's a kind of like Gandalf Dumbledore figure, you know. Especially except he's not around. Yeah, like those characters, but. He has that sort of wise, um, mysterious kind of archetype. I think I also just feel for him because of that, of we get to see him dying and that's such, like, everyone takes care of him. Yeah. And everyone's so sad. And just something about a person dying in a hospital just feels very sad to me. Like, that always gets me. Yeah. Because especially, like, in media that is, this is completely off the rails but like in media that is um so f like action driven and hero driven where people usually die in battle or in an adventure or something like like, like everyone else in this episode mm -hmm. the face of Bo just dies in hospital like most people do yeah that's very touching actually that was the most disgusting thing you took a swig of wine of red wine and then you just like swirled it around in your little like collared dress and they were just like yeah, that's so deep. <laughs> no, no, but um, I, sh I should be on Dark Academia TikTok right now. Yeah, right now you should. Yeah, she's wearing, she's wearing um a plaid dress with a collar, and a knitted vest that's dark grey, and she's drinking red wine, and she could be literally anyone from um Secret History. I am Donna Tartt's wet dream. You kind of have Donna Tartt's hair right now. Oh yeah, my other friend did tell me. When I dyed my hair, that was the first thing she told me that I looked like Donna Tartt. Which friend was that? Isabel. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Isabel. Um, okay. Yeah, face of Bo. Do you think... Because I know there's like a whole story about how Jack gets beheaded by... Uh... Oh, you don't know that? It's in season six when River meets um, Dorian Malva, the, the big blue guy yeah, that gets okay. beheaded. Mm -hmm. um, he he gives her like a um, or she give, gives her one of his earrings. Okay. I messed up the pronouns there, but whatever. Um, one of her earrings, which is like an explode explosion device, whatever. And in exchange, he gives her a vortex manipulator that he said he got off a young time agent jack oh and then um you know the this is season six stuff but like the the monks with like the twisted necks who are beheaded mm -hmm. um they're the ones who gave it to him and they got it off a beheaded 
uh, time agent. And then obviously the people who get beheaded, like Dorium does, they have their head in like a little box sometimes mm-hmm. if they have the money. And uh, they kind of, he gets to live in there. He has Wi-Fi in his head and everything. And so apparently that's how um, Jack eventually gets beheaded and then turns into face of Bo. I don't know how his head fucking spans like exactly. that. But, but yeah, that can't, yeah. Maybe well, it's like, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> this is like a very, <laughs> oh God. I'm just thinking about like the time energy that makes the TARDIS, Expand Big, bigger on the inside, and then ex- it expands. In name of the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it grows because um, more wine. the the dimensions are sort of glitching and leaking out. And uh, well, the reason that Jack is immortal is that he got sort of infused with this energy of the TARDIS. Oh my god! Oh, I just. Came up with a theory, I oh, guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> Even though we said we hate theories. You know, we're actually, like, breaking every single rule. Ugh. Because, first of all, I talked about theories last episode. Now you came up with a theory. <laughs> and and I also said something about, like, not doing Classic Who. And I'm watching Classic Who. And I'm probably going to talk about it. I mean, I don't know if that makes, like, a lot of sense. It's not like when the Doctor actually dies, is he going to expand? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> he gets a fat ass. <laughs> Is that like what's happening? That uh, Jack had lives sort of stored inside of him. I I have no idea. Anyway. I don't know. I think that I what what I was gonna ask you was: Do you think this was planned by Russell from the beginning? That face of Bo was Captain Jack because Captain Jack does appear in this season, so he knew Captain Jack was a character that he was gonna write. Because I don't think so. (laughs) No, I don't think so either. Um, It is possible only because it does happen. This, uh, what happens in season three when he name drops himself. The the face of bow, they called me. Exactly. Yeah. it's the same writer, right? So it's not the sort of thing that people have with their theories where something that happens in one showrunner's era is later brought up in another showrunner and it's not very likely that they had any thought behind it. Uh, However, Moffat was the one who wrote Jack because he wrote (gasps) The Empty Child. I... I... So, I don't every know, single like, thing, every single time, you're like, oh, Russell did a good job. That was Moffat. <laughs> like, even if it's Russell's show, you're like, hmm. Russell definitely did some good things, but I Moffat... mean, duh, he wrote Midnight. So, oh, yeah, he's great. He's right. a great writer, but it's. But, I mean, you often forget that Moffat was working on the show before he became a showrunner. Do you know, um, Russell said. Um, I don't know when, but I read recently that he said when he was showrunner, he would obviously, like, when he got um, a screenplay in, he would obviously edit things and touch up things, mm-hmm. like characters and stuff, like how he would write them. But he never touched anything that Moffat did because they were perfect. Really? Yeah. Well, well, he's right. He's right. 
I mean, yeah. That's a, me with Toby Woodhouse. Like every single Toby Woodhouse oh. episode, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Next showrunner. Please, if it's if it's not gonna be me, then let it be Toby Woodhouse, please. Uh, please, Bo. What were you saying? Yeah, hold on. But do you think it was intended? Like, if it, if it, even if he was written by Moffat, and even if it's in, I think the um. I mean, you have multiple writers on a show and they're not like writing completely independently, even if maybe Russell didn't edit anything that Moffat wrote. I mean, they're still collaborating. There's still a discussion in um, during pre-production. Yeah. That's just how it works. Um, so it's not like a writer gets the assignment of writing an episode and then they can just do whatever the hell they want. You're still collaborating. So it's not impossible, but I kind of... Yeah, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so, not because I have any reason, just because it doesn't... <laughs> like, if it was, like, his character arc, I, like, planned from the beginning, I think that would be kind of more obvious. Mm-hmm. Or maybe at least not just, like, a little, little Easter egg for people to pick up. Yeah. Um, but... I was just thinking about what you said about how Moff wrote Jack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. He did write those two episodes that introduced him. But we don't but know how involved Russell was in the creation of this character. I mean, yeah, but but, then, but Jack is in a lot of season one. He's in, yeah. in like four, I think three or four other episodes yeah. later on. So I, I think, I think technically... I mean, if those had been his only episodes, I would be pretty sure that Moffat wrote him and then Russell wrote Face of Bow and then like later he was like, oh, what if that was Jack? But I still don't think Face of Bow was intended to be Jack from the beginning, but um, I think Russell came up with the idea of Jack probably mm-hmm. because if he's the showrunner and this character is in so much, like he's a recurring guest star, I, I have a hard time seeing how a one-time writer for the season would just come up with him. And yeah. then they were like, oh, let's keep him. Because mm-hmm. it's not chronological either. They don't like write the episodes one after the other. Um, but I think that's enough about Face of Bo <laughs> for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another thing that I noticed in this episode, this is the first time that we see the psychic paper in New Who. Yeah, because he didn't use it last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's because the psychic paper is something that I'm always a bit uh, frustrated with how they write it. And in this episode, he specifically says it shows the person whatever I want them to see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the purpose of the psychic paper. But later on in the series, it becomes like. This sort of element of conflict that the psychic paper shows the person whatever they want to see. Yeah. They think um, the doctor is like whatever enters their mind first. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've always been like unsure about how, what that exactly means. Because I thought at first that the paper showed... Like, the paper was psychic in its own way. Like, it knew exactly what needed to be 
to be on the paper for mm-hmm. them to get in. Yeah. Um, but then, as he says, obviously, he has to think up, like, oh, we're plumbers, or we're stowaways, mm-hmm. or whatever, like, or we're with the health and safety. And then yeah, just... whatever I think becomes exactly. what, sa- what it says on the paper. But, for example, in Mummy on the Wind Express... Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about yeah. that. He's like, I'm your worst nightmare. nightmare. And then it says, stowaways. No, mystery, mystery shopper. shopper. And then he's like, oh, you mystery shopper. So he's like, oh, that's, really? That's your worst nightmare. Yeah, so he's not aware of it. So it's up to the person viewing the paper what it says. I think maybe that kind of, it still kind of works. Because then it can, like, the, maybe it could work in the sense that the doctor decides that it's going to say whatever is his worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't know exactly what that is. Maybe, but there are like other instances. There are, yeah, there are obviously other where instances very where confusing. it doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it and it just says whatever that person. Like oh, for example, in um, Flatline, they try to use it on that really bitchy old man. You know, <laughs> I know who he is, but I don't know the scene. Well. I think it's Clara who tries to use psychic paper. Yeah, it's obviously Clara because the doctor is in the TARDIS. Yes, okay. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't you know? Twelve in the TARDIS. Sorry. I'll just try to explain the scene for you since you didn't remember. (laughs) Um, And he's... I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's just like, that's a blank piece of paper or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just does... It just doesn't work on him because he has no imagination. So... Apparently, it's like very much up to the person looking at the paper. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Do you want to talk about Cassandra? We already started, but do you want to get into it? Like, really? Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because she tells a story about her parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I think was absolutely beautiful. How her dad was a Texan and her mom was from the Arctic desert. And I just love how you, as a sci-fi writer, can come up with anything you want. And how you can, like, you can just, like, Texan is easy. But then you can just, like, okay, this is six billion years in the future of the Earth. Mm-hmm. What is it going to look like? Um, well, Los Angeles is in a crevice and... Cassandra's house was on the crevice. I don't know. And then you just come up with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the Arctic is no longer an Arctic. It's a desert. And that's where her mom comes. Like, you can just come up with stuff like that. And I just think the, the way she tells that story is really beautiful. Because she really cares about her parents. And how they were the last people of Earth who were allowed to be buried. Or the last people to be buried. Under its soil, I think she says. Yeah. I think that's nice. But... The rest of Cassandra is written quite um, unfavorably, which I understand because she's the, the enemy, like mm-hmm. she's the villain of the episode. Yeah. Um, but I did, however, I touched a little bit earlier on the Hitler is trans <laughs> thing, but Gosh. we need to, I think I, we, we don't need to, but um, I read a post about Cassandra and, uh, how she's trans and so far except for the doctor who's gender fluid um she's the only trans person within doctor who and how that um i mean that was 2005 guys like how haven't we come up with something else 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's good that we're kind of pushing the Time Lord thing, but like, come on, guys, it's not the same. And um, unfortunately, her mm, the betrayal of her as the only trans person is not great. Um, but obviously, as I am a cis woman, I don't want to say anything, and it's not my place. So I'm gonna read a Tumblr post by um, an actual trans person on Tumblr. Hi guys, this is Daphne in the editing room, uh, currently working on this episode. Uh, I just a quick little adjustment that I didn't think about at the time uh, was the fact that I called the user Ray writes things. I used the pronouns she, her. Um, I actually don't know what their preferred pronouns are, so... Uh, in case that was wrong, I apologize and um, we'll do better next time. And um, please disregard my use of pronouns in this clip. So this is from Tumblr user Ray Writes Things. Um, she got an ask regarding if Cassandra is trans. Um, and there's obviously a line from this episode where she mentions, um, quote, Soon the sun will blossom into a red giant and my home will die. That's where I used to live when I was a little boy, down there. End quote. Uh, and then Ray Wright's thing says, the main point of her character, as I understand, was to criticize beauty standards and plastic surgery obsessions. I remember in the mid 2000s, every tabloid magazine constantly publishing articles speculating about whether this or that celebrity had gotten a nose job or something. Which, yes, beauty standards are unrealistic and people should feel proud of themselves as they are but they should also be allowed to have procedures done that they want slash need to have done without being vilified. Making Cassandra trans absolutely destroys the writer's moral standing. It is no longer about unrealistic beauty standards. It is about Cassandra, a trans woman, being this near inhuman character because of the surgeries. It's a slap in the face to trans people it's hilariously misconstrued that she is the one written as having prejudice towards humans who interbred with alien species when trans people are dehumanized in real life every single day. Lines from Rose like, quote, I would rather die. It's better to die than to live like you, end quote. Or, quote, that makes me officially the last human being in this room because you are not human, end quote have a hurtful, discriminatory undercurrent to them that may or may not have been intended when you take into account Cassandra's background. There was no reason for Cassandra to be trans. They did not cast a trans woman to play her. It did not factor into the plot and the critique of unrealistic beauty standards would have held up and held up better without this addition. But 2005 was a time when transphobia was considered perfectly acceptable and the norm. Her transness was employed as a tactic to make her seem much more other, shocking and monstrous to the viewers at home. RTD has apparently apologized at a con for the offense he caused with the character. 
And while I'm glad he acknowledges that it was a mistake, it doesn't make watching those early episodes any less painful. There's a reason I tend to skip seasons one through two my, in my rewatches. It's easier just to forget that the doctor and his companion once looked on someone like me with revulsion. I think it's the type of criticism that they're attempting and that this user brings up, I think is valid or valid, but it's like, um, I get what they were going for. And as this user said, um, it maybe wasn't intentional to offend anyone, which it usually isn't. That doesn't mean that it's not offensive. Uh, but it's the fact that like, this is the only trans character. I mean, if you had other trans characters, and then also one of the villains is trans. Yeah. That's a different thing than when the only portrayal in the entire show is this superficial, completely, like, uh, operated into, into, like, an unrecognizable thing. Yeah. Inhuman, basically. Yeah, and when that's your only... Your only representation of trans people, it's not great. Yeah, I think without the surgery aspect, if Mm -hmm. Cassandra had just been a normal person who was trans and was the villain, it wouldn't be great because it'd still be the only trans person and they're a villain, but... Mm -hmm then their transness or like i don't think russell at the time understood the implications of someone being trans and surgeries being a different case and obviously like for cassandra she does beauty stuff like she gets her chin taken out and she wants to be flat and i think i don't know if he this was intended but i think it's like a skinniness thing like she wants to be skinny mm-hmm. um she talks about being flat. Exactly, to an extreme amount. And, like, even in the 2000s, like, it was it was attractive to be flat, to have, like, a flat ass. Yeah, like, I completely understand how this was born out of the culture of the... of 2005, mm-hmm. out of the spirit of the age. Um, but, yeah, as you said, it's the fact that um, she's not only a villain, but the thing that villainizes her and makes her uh, um, so unlikable and w- what our heroes criticize about her is the fact that she's had all this work done and that she's uh, not been true, so to speak, to her original form. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's really fucked up to um, imply that about trans people, that that's something um, to be villainized. So yeah, it's really horrible and hurtful. Yeah, and the fact that she, the way she dies, first of all, it's so graphic for oh, Doctor Who. Oh God, I was thinking about that. It's like, it's like 3D, it flies at you. Oh, it's really disgusting. And the thing that kills her is that she did so many surgeries. Because yeah. if, I mean, they, I don't know, I, I don't think the Doctor would have like actively let her die. 
if mm-hmm. she or like killed her i mean but he lets her die and that's because she needs moisturization because she's so yeah because let's so, talk about another doctor who villain who starts off as a man and becomes a woman the master nothing about that change obviously it's quite different like the master isn't trans per se and gender for time lords is quite different than gender for humans yeah so we're not gonna like try to put the master in a box in terms of like their identity but that's never a point used against them that it's like oh you changed your gender and that makes you different and um not inhuman obviously because the master isn't human but yeah that that's something that makes you less than us yeah it's never used yeah yeah or whereas like, or her in, body isn't used against her ever yeah whereas with cassandra that's specifically what her whole deal is yeah which i think like is it's an interesting case they never use the, the master's body against her or missy's body against her unlike um Chibnall with the the new master who used the body of the master against him because he's not white anymore yeah god but um which is awful but we're not going to talk about that because we'll get there if we ever get there but um something that i wrote in my notes yeah is just the line i want you home by midnight but that's but which is said by Rose to Nine, and there's a lot of flirting overall between the two. Yeah, but there's also flirting between him and Nicki Minaj. Oh my god, there's so much sexual tension. Like she, okay, so first of all, she glances at his dick. Does she? Yes. <laughs> I think also I should uh, I should clarify why I call uh, the tree woman Nicki Minaj. Oh yeah, her name talking. is Jabe, but I call her Nicki Minaj because I thought like. For so long, for so many years, I remembered her being so like a lookalike of Nicki Minaj. Like look, Nicki Minaj, she was green, and then I saw the episode, and she she doesn't look that much like her. But I like to call her Nicki Minaj. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the tree aliens, and I wish they would come back. I like I like their design, and I like the concept of like trees. But the, becoming sentient. Yeah, they're not even humanoid. aliens. They're just trees. Yeah, it's great. Which is, it's so great when they introduce them. They're like, from the forest of Shem, we have trees. trees. <laughs> and Rose is like, oh? Oh, what? <laughs> and, then, and then when the blue guy is doing like a presentation, he's like, ladies and gentlemen and trees. <laughs> That's great. Um, and, okay, so what else is between them? She, um... Oh, she does that weird line where she's like, uh, she's like, your wife? And he's like, no. And he's like, your concubine? And I was like, I was shocked the fact that they even said concubine. Yes. And then she said, your prostitute. Is she your whore? <laughs> it's really explicit. And, and then, and then Rose says at the end of that, she says, why don't you two go pollinate and I'll go blah, blah, blah. And then she says, I want you home by midnight. And then she says that. But that's in the context of her going, okay, you guys are having some tension. Why don't you two go fuck? <laughs> and then you can come back to me. <laughs> uh, I had a thought. Um, we talked 
another thing we talked at length about last episode and that I think that that has carried into this episode is um this kind of working class perspective on Doctor Who. Yeah. Because the whole villainy of obviously the trans thing that we talked about like that's part mm-hmm. of her identity and sadly formed her villain characteristics mm-hmm. but the reason why she does these things is because of money and it's yeah. that's the commie doctor note was because um at the beginning of the episode uh he's uh, nine says something about how the greatest and the best or something like that are here to see the earth um die and then he says by that i mean the rich Mm-hmm. And then he says something like the money ran out, nature takes over, and how kind of and I, I it doesn't specify, but I think that kind of means how, as long as there was money in the earth and the earth surviving, we kind of kept taking care of it because of mm-hmm. the economy instead of because it was profitable. Exactly, thank you. Um, and yeah, and again with Cassandra, she has this. Um, little villain speech uh, almost at the end where she says she's going to kill everyone <laughs> because um, I think everyone has like shares in like a bank or something like that and then yeah. once they die their shares she's going to buy their shares and then they're going to skyrocket or something yeah specifically the tree people had some kind of thing mm. yeah so that's um that's something that keeps coming up yeah definitely and then for the next episode that's also gonna come up but even with Raffalo she's quite um she fits very neatly into this narrative that Doctor Who is um going for with the working class people and connection and um well, they're very keen on showing the companion, Rose in this case, connecting with... The small, little, the little people. The... Yeah, the little guys. Yeah. Exactly. And I think for Rose also, that's something that it's usually a working class person. Mm-hmm. Like, we follows a plumber. Yeah. And later, next episode, Gwyneth yeah. is, a, is a maid. Um... And I think even in the werewolf episode, it's also an, she also bonds with another maid or servant. Oh, yeah. In season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a recurring thing. It's a recurring thing. Uh, uh, regarding Rafala, we started getting into this earlier, but like, or just like the blue people in general, what I thought was very campy about this episode is the way they die, both her and the <laughs> other blue guy. So like yeah. the spiders come out of the vent and she's like halfway in there and then she's like how many of you are there and then like there comes like a billion like little oh. metal spiders and she's she doesn't even like you know start trying to crawl out and then she's yeah. stuck or something she's just like no 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 and then they pull her like she mm-hmm. doesn't even try to get out yeah yeah i was also thinking specifically about her reaction and yeah how it's kind of odd she's like no no <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. You don't actually know what they're gonna what they're doing though. And the guy, the blue guy, he does the same thing where like the, the spider like comes up and then like carefully presses his little leg. Like it takes so long oh for him to press the little button and he's like looking at it and he's like Oh no and then <laughs> then he presses and he's like, no, no, no. But he doesn't do anything. And I then know. the shields are lowering. And then he starts trying to, to do something. <laughs> speaking of that scene, um, if, you, if our listener has watched this episode, he's sitting at his desk and he has like, I don't know, it's supposed to be maybe a microphone or something that he's talking into. Yeah, he's doing his little YouTube blog. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but it looks exactly like a milk frother. <laughs> yeah, like for espressos. Yes, it's like a little foamer, like an electric frother. I, I even looked up like pictures on Google and yeah, it's... I swear the the team was just like, let's... We need something the for, budget, for, his, for his office. They blew that budget on so much. Like, Nicki yeah. Minaj has these, like, <laughs> clearly, like, plastic little flowers in her head. Like, there's, like, plastic yeah. ivy, and they're so obvious that they're plastic. They didn't, mean, they didn't even get, like, the fabric ones that look kind of better. <laughs> Oof. Um, what do you think about Nine, this episode? I love him. <laughs> we always love him, but... He's amazing. I love him. And he's, again, very uh, sensitive and defensive, like we went into yeah. last episode, um, in that he gets kind of pissed off at Rose at certain moments for, like, no reason. Or she has reason to, like confront him and be angry yeah, like, and why does he flirt with Nicki Minaj <laughs> exactly. he's so weird I mean because she's sexy I guess and also Nine mm. Nine flirts with a lot of people I this think, season do you think he we have the whole Dr. Dances yeah. episode where he's like I know but at the same time do you think he knows that he's flirting I, yeah definitely okay. I think so mm. I think so um, and Wait, him flirting the way he when he's talking with Rose in the room and he's just like laying down like in the sexy oh like, my god Titanic pose. <laughs> His, I wrote nine slutty slutty pose. <laughs> okay, sorry. Speaking of Titanic, he was on the Titanic. Yes, and he brings with it up with the family. No, they he didn't. No, take definitely it not with the family because he brings it up and the way he talks about it. Okay, I think I. Yeah, he says, I ended up clinging to an iceberg. They said the ship was unsinkable. Yeah. And, like, the implication is that he went to the Titanic and he didn't no! know. <laughs> he didn't know that, the, that it was going to sink. And, like, when you think about it, that makes sense. Because, obviously, the two of us, Daphne and I, grew up on Earth. As you also probably did, dear listener. So... We know, like, all, all these things about the Earth's history yeah. are kind of taken for granted that we know. But the Doctor, he's not from here. Yeah. Like, things that might seem very obvious to us, yeah. there's no real reason that he should know about, except for the fact that he's spent a lot of time traveling uh, throughout 
Earth's history. But like there are probably things that have escaped him because he didn't go to school as a human child, right? And so, yeah, it's not completely impossible that he just missed the fact that the Titanic was this huge disaster that happened and that everyone on Earth knows about. And he was like, oh, I want to get on this huge ship. It's just like when he went to the 1960s and accidentally saw JFK get shot in the head and he had no idea that it was going to happen. The fact that he was also, the fact that he's been twice in 1963, he lived in 1963 in November at the same time oh, yeah. in London with Susan. Yeah. And, and then, then he, he kidnaps her teachers. Amazing. Oh, and maybe that's the reason why he missed the whole JFK thing because he was off traveling with Ian and Barbara. No, but he was nine at that time. He was nine. It was nine who was at the JFK shooting. Yeah, exactly. And because so maybe maybe it was nine who was gonna go back and say hi to Ian and Barbara or something. Oh my god, that would be so nice. I mean, who wouldn't say hi to Barbara? She's a babe. Oh yeah, Barbara. Yeah, no, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very funny to think that like he went to the Titanic and he had no idea that it was gonna sink, and then he had to go through all of that, and then he went back to save the Daniels family. Yeah, I love this piece of Doctor Who lore that we just unlocked. We really did, yeah. <laughs> I, but I, there's this really nice moment with, and I'm going to ruin it by saying Nicki Minaj, but there's this really nice moment between him and Nicki Minaj because she understands, before Rose knows, she's the first person in this era yeah. who gets to find out about the time war, or at yeah. least knows about the time war and knows that he's a time lord. And there's this nice moment where she understands and she puts her hand on his arm and he starts crying. And then he puts his hand on hers and he just looks at her. He's, he's holding all that inside. He's keeping that in and he's not letting those feelings. He's just, it's so obvious just from that scene that Nine is just pushing that down. He's not letting it. Yeah. He's not thinking about it. He, he can't let himself think about it because it's too much. God. I was also thinking about that scene. And it's a recurring thing in this episode where Rose tries to... She's crying. Yeah. And she I wants guess. to know where he's from, who he is, and he refuses to tell her. So this is the episode that really deals with who he is and what he's been through mm. and at the end you know it's revealed what has happened to yeah. the other time lords but it's still not mentioned that he does it yeah no yeah it's not but um so and i was thinking as i was watching this that like people who i mean the people who were watching this at the time when it came out obviously a large portion of those people were already familiar with the Doctor Who and had seen the old show and knew that he was a Time Lord. Yeah. And so um, the secret of it is kind of exciting and fun yeah. because you're in on it, but it's not like you're actually wondering. But they didn't know that his people were dead. Yeah, Gallifrey was gone. Yeah, that's a completely new thing. That's something Russell came up with. Yeah, and Gallifrey, I think, has been with the show since, I think, the third Doctor, at least the fourth Doctor. Mm -hmm. 
So that's been part since at least the 70s. And all of a sudden, it's gone. Just yeah. like, just from one line. That must have been a shock. Yeah. And like, that's a bold move. It really is. But it works, I think. Yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's great because... And I, I really respect him for doing that. Russell is like realizing or at least understanding that if you're going to do a, or at least a better way to kind of bring back the show and not just continue on from where it left off is to have a story arc throughout the new era, which is Gallifrey yeah. and him being the last of the Time Lords. Yeah. And then obviously without getting into the 50th even more than we already have I think that's a good plot point for the 50th to bring back Gallifrey and kind of mm-hmm. reverse even if yeah <laughs> not gonna yeah. get into it but we uh, will get there we will get there but he does tell it does eventually tell Rose and that kind of becomes a bonding moment for them because she's kind of on the fence about leaving him and not going back yes but they uh, understand each other now. Yeah, there's a moment when she's talking to Rapolo mm. and she's like, yeah, I hitched a ride with this guy and I don't even know who he is and I don't know anything about him. And it's this really odd kind of moment that I'm sure a lot of women are familiar with where you're like, oh no, I'm with a stranger and uh, am I really safe in his company? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of um, unsavory to view Nine in that light that she's thinking about him in that moment. But either way, uh, I mean, it's reasonable. But I was thinking, is the reason that he brought her to this specific moment because of what he's been through? What do you think? Because it starts with... Um, him asking her where she wants to go and she says yeah. forwards in time 100 years and then they go there and he's like that's not that impressive though and, she, and then um, yeah, they he just goes kinda, he, they just and then he's like I'll there. show you impressive mm-hmm. and uh, what I want to ask you what I'm wondering um, let's see is he I think is he kind of like is he being insensitive towards the human race? Like, he doesn't understand how the human race works. Is that kind of it? Is that why he thinks the end of the world? Like, he understands it. I, I, mm, like, why is that? does he think that's going to impress Rose? And I think, actually, I'm going to answer my own question. And mm-hmm. obviously, you get to have your own take. They will please tell me afterwards. But I think it's him not being insensitive towards the human race, but being insensitive towards people who have not and cannot time travel because for him it's like it ends the episode ends like he goes back and then the earth is alive and everything has its time and everything dies like he says about cassandra before he lets her die um and also uh similar to hide from season seven mm-hmm. um everything ends but for him, it's just time is everything. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. Like he exists, kind of in a pocket, without time affecting him because he can just go to a place where the earth is dead, or he can go to a place where the earth is alive. 
and it can all happen within seconds. And Rose has that moment where she's standing there at the end and she says, um, my mum's dead. Mm-hmm. It's six billion years in the future and my mum's dead. And I think that's such, I think it's a great line because it just, it makes it so much more grounded because it's so hard to just six billion years in the future and the the world's gone but if you put the humans in the perspective it's harder to just yeah mm-hmm. i was also, to grasp it. also thinking about that it's a little it's it's related to uh, how clara feels when she sees the scorched earth and she gets so in hide mm-hmm. and she gets so emotional seeing that and then she says am i buried out there mm-hmm. kind of yeah yeah, because in a way, I had a hard time relating to Rose and how she felt in this episode. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, I was completely opposite. Because I was... Uh, because, well, I know that, like, a billion years in the future, the Earth is not going to be the same as it is now, and no one that I know is going to be alive. Hmm. Like, obviously. So it's not, like... It's a different thing, obviously, to experience it. But I feel like that wouldn't be so shocking to me to realize. But on the other hand, there's a moment when, towards the end, when they've sort of dealt with the whole Cassandra situation. Yeah. There's a moment when she says that the Earth was destroyed and no one noticed. No. No one paid any attention. And like we all came out here to witness this. But while it was happening, our attention was on this other thing. So we missed it. And that I felt was very poignant. Mm. Like if I was there, I would also feel like the very moment that it's destroyed, I would have wanted to pay attention and to think about this planet and all its history and the way that it's all come to an end. Pay respects, kind of. But, like, I don't actually think it's... Yeah, it's not... Other than that moment, I was not as... I was not as invested in that mindset... That's so interesting. I feel, I think, I feel the complete opposite, but I think I've always kind of, I think that's just a part of who I am. Like, I remember reading Percy Jackson, (laughs) and there's Pan, the um, minute. The god? The god Pan, who's like the god of the earth or the god of um, nature, or something like that. I I can't remember, but he dies. Mm hmm. And it's like the saddest. I cried so much. Not because I cared about Pan, but because I cared about the Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have in my notes here. I keep pointing them out, but I have, I have to mention them. I love Earth. I love the Earth. It makes yeah. me feel... And I thought about that quite a lot. Just how when I die, obviously I'm going to miss friends and family. But I think the thing that I'm going to... Obviously I can't know... But the thing that I'm going to think about at the moment I die is just 
maybe depending on where I am, probably going to be in hospital, just looking out a window and thinking I'm, I'm going to miss the sky and I'm going to miss summer and the grass and the, and the warm breeze and never having, never being able to feel that again, never okay. being able to be on the earth again. That's so Orlando of you. I know, but it's just, it <laughs> reminds me of um, um, the TV show The Tudors. There's this great scene where Catherine Aragon, um, she's about to, be, to get executed. Mm-hmm. And it's her execution scene and she's quite like, um, she's a character who's quite like vain and focused on material things on earth. And then she's standing there and this is like, it's like a horrific scene um, of other people getting executed because of her, not because it's her fault, but like in her name kind of. And it's so graphic and horrific. And then she walks up and she gets to get executed last. And she has a little speech and then she just looks up to the sky and she says, life is very beautiful. And it's very gripping and I saw that when I was like 13 and that stuck with me because that's her last thought like this horrific thing has happened before her and this horrific thing is going to happen to her but all she can think about is like how she looks up at the sky and she thinks about how she kind of wasted her life not appreciating the nature around her and that's and I feel like in this episode the earth is kind of like a I don't know a fifth character that's that's kind of there in the background and you kind of also forget like I mean for me just I feel where Rose feels and I don't want I wouldn't ever want to be there and see the earth dying that would make me I feel exactly what she feels like I feel mm-hmm. it makes me sad just thinking about it. even if like there are this like you said it's going to be different where everyone I know is going to be dead it just feels very sad like she says like all, all that history everything and no one even paid attention like mm-hmm. no one even looked as the earth was dying and it's 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 a planet and it's not a living thing in the way we define it but at the same time that like this is home even if it's billions of years in the future and no one's there anymore it feels sad and even that feels sad the way he says it's like everyone's moved and the earth is just alone and it dies alone and everyone's just looking at it like it's a dying animal who's slowly dying and everyone's like paying money to go see it die and it's just like it's so so sad it makes me really sad and the nine has that great speech once they get to 2005 again and he said something like you lot you think it's gonna keep going forever people and cars and concrete but everything ends you know and that's also his mentality with Cassandra what do you feel about him letting her die like we mentioned that before but I feel like it's a very poignant moment because it's so undoctory I feel it's a moment where he stops being the doctor and starts being whatever his name is how do you feel I liked it and I liked it the moment that he said that line because first I was thinking I was kind of with Rose when she says help her Mm. Uh, but 
and, and thinking that it's, yeah, it's unlike the doctor to just let someone die. But when he says that line, no, everything ends, everything dies. He's completely right. Like, yeah. you, you can't live forever. And I mean, well, the doctor does, sort of. But you have to accept your lot in life and the time that is granted you and make peace with it. Make peace with the fact that you will die and that you can't go on forever. I think that's a philosophical dilemma because it's hard to define like what is what would be Cassandra's natural timeline? How long would she have lived if she hadn't done these? Or like, I mean, she had the means to continue on living. And for me personally, I, like I said, I think that's more of, it's, I think it's a Time Lord speaking, but do I think it's like his doctor persona? Not really, because the doctor kind of rejects the Time Lord mentalities mostly. Um, because he has the means to save someone and it's hard i mean again it's like it's a philosophical thing but like you have the means of saving someone and then you don't do it then Mm -hmm. you're kind of you're letting them die but also you could also could let them live like it's it's complicated but i mean i thinking of season nine much much later with Davros when he's dying in the beginning of the uh, the season and he's talking about like he's so tired and obviously he's lying sadly but <laughs> he's talking about like how he just wants to see the sunrise on his home planet one last time but he's so tired and he's so sick he can't even look mm-hmm. <laughs> Doctor Who is so good oh my god okay sorry <laughs> he can't even look um and so the doctor like he could just let him die right then and there but he's being the doctor and he's he lets him live he's doing everything he can he sacrifices himself he gives him regeneration energies just so he can see that last sunrise mm-hmm. and that's um and that's a villain too but it's very different i don't know it's it, i think it's a it's a dilemma that's hard to discuss. Like, like I, th- I agree with everything you said. And I agree with him. It's, it's right. Everything has its time. And everything has to die. And you can't, you can't push it. And you can't play God. And it's hard to be in that position where you are the end-all be-all of the situation. Like, you can either save that person or let them die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have two final notes. Okay. Um, just I have one final note. Okay, should I do one and then you do you do yours and then I do the final yeah. one. The final one of the final lines of the episode is Rose saying, "I want," where he, where he asks um, if she wants to stay because she's seen how dangerous it is. Do you want to go home now? And she says, I want, and she kind of trails off, and then she goes the whole fish and chips thing. But it's she's serious in the moment when she starts saying, I want, and she it's like she doesn't know because she's so disconnected from what she wants in life. And I think that's quite fitting for her as a character. 
Yeah, I think in general, Rose's character comes across a little more in this episode. She, um, the rude part of her yeah. comes out. Because we've talked about the fact that Rose is quite rude at times. She's not well-mannered. No. Yeah, and when she speaks her mind, which I think is fine. But, um, well, yeah, so I agree. Um, but in general, I think she's sort of um, becoming a more rounded character. Uh, oh, yeah, she calls Jackie. In a, yeah. The phone call to Jackie, which we talked about last time, the fact that she's sort of... Um, Jackie calls her in a panic in episode one because she thinks she's being like hunted down by mannequins <laughs> and Rose is like ha 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 and hangs up on her <laughs> but no but she calls just because she wants to check if Jackie's alive yeah exactly so but she could call Jackie and then say hey I'm alive don't worry but yeah, she doesn't because we talked about the fact that like okay she makes this call to Jackie and then she disappears for like a year and then we remembered that no she actually calls her in this episode but <laughs> Jackie picks up the phone and she's not worried at all like keep in mind that the last time she heard from her daughter was when panic was raining over London yeah and everyone was running around people were getting shot down in the street Jackie had no idea if her daughter was safe and then she called her and she hung up on her and then the next time they talk, Jackie's like completely unbothered. I think <laughs> so we're, we're gonna I, we're gonna find out like next next episode, but I think I mean, it's probably like this sequence is followed after the Orton incident, but it's possible that this she calls Jackie in a time before that happens. It's yeah. possible. We'll was, find out next time. I was also thinking about that. Next it's, next time. Uh, yeah. We don't know exactly when in Jackie's timeline this call happens. Yeah. So maybe it was actually before. Yeah, it's uh, possible. The events of episode one. You know, <laughs> but, but it's kind of karma because Jackie hang ups on Rose, hangs up on Rose at this time. I know. But it, uh, yeah, and if that's the case, which it very likely is, then what I said last episode is still true. The fact that that's the last time they speak. Yeah. And she probably thinks that Rose is dead or something. <sighs> Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. It's horrible. Uh, but they also have this sort of sweet moment where Rose just says that she might be home late. And Jackie says, are you all right? Mm, I like Jackie. And it's really sweet. And it's like the first time that there's this sort of genuine concern between mother and daughter. I think this is like, this time around, I think Jackie's my favorite. Around. I mean, new, really? no, not my favorite character, but like my new favorite. Yeah. Last okay. time it was like Mickey, but this time I'm like, Jackie. Jackie you yeah. know, she gets, do you want to get to your note? Uh, yeah, no, the only note that I had is the fact that when, in the scene, when Rose is talking to Cassandra, there's like, this glass case behind them with some items from Earth. There's like um Oh wow, you paid a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh there's um what's it called? Skidmuffin. 
A typewriter. There's a typewriter. And I think the first Harry Potter book. I thought you were going to say a vinyl edition of Hounds of Love or something like that. <laughs> that would have been iconic. Kate Bush episode when. When. <laughs> no, there's the, uh, the, the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Wow, you really paid attention. That was just a little tidbit. Okay, that's nice. Okay, go on with your note. My note is just like, two, I don't know, I didn't do enough research, but 2005, mm-hmm. depending on if they had BBC America at the time, and depending on if, or whatever, if, depending on if they aired BBC in Australia, technically, I could have watched this live when I was a kid. Because, like, people watched Doctor Who when they were six years old. Yeah, that's true. And I looked it up, and I have a photo from the day this aired of myself in Australia. So you know that you existed on that day. I did know that before I saw the photo, yeah, because I was born before 2005. I'm not a baby. Yeah, but now you have photo- old, photographic evidence. How old do you think 2005 is are? Like, not a femur. How old do you think they are? Like, 15. <laughs> They're obviously not. No, they're 17 now. Oh my gosh. Can I count? Who knows? I don't know. I have no, no idea. I'm not good they're at math. Neither too, of us are old. good at math. They're too old. You should just execute them. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Anyway, I think... So that's it for our thoughts on this episode. Yeah. We've carried on for quite a while. But um, that's all our notes. Um... Should we clarify again who the enemy of the pot of the week is? Why don't you do that? Because I've forgotten. I've also forgotten. The people who made, who are making the documentary. On Channel about, 4. Yeah. No, about Clark. Clark. Channel 4, enemy of the pot of the week. Yeah. Um, also transphobia. Transphobia. As a, as a concept. A little bit of uh, Russell. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, the transphobic part of Russell is the enemy of the pot of the week. Yeah. Um, let's get into Poem of the App, mm-hmm. the final segment. For this episode, it's Rural Boys Watch the Apocalypse by Tumblr user Boy Keats. We stand together by the creek in my backyard, watching the stars fall one at a time. A third of the sky is black now, your hands in mine. I thought it'd be wilder than this, you say. Four horsemen, trumpets and earthquakes, waters turning to blood, you know. But there are only the falling stars. At least the Weather Channel warned us about it, I said. Glad they predicted something right for once. My doomsday neighbours are loading the back with their dirty old pickup. Suitcases stacked under cardboard boxes of books and silverware. Stacked under large whitewash crosses. My parents didn't pack up, and neither did yours. If there are angels walking the streets, I want to see them, your mom told us over coffee. I want to know if they really got lion teeth and a hundred thousand eyes. Stars are starting to fall faster now, so the sky is near half empty. I wonder where they go. If they crater lawns and smash apart other people's houses. If there are really angels come to deliver us into higher places with their calloused hands. But to 20 bucks, Gabriel brings his stupid damn harp, I say. The doomsday neighbors have started their truck. 
engines moaning like a sinner in hell. And one of their young girls leaning out of the window sings, Some glad morning when this life is over. You laugh. Betcha fifty he'll wear that stupid damn tunic, even if he's got six wings and four arms. There's shouting in the distance, so far away, we got to strain to hear it. So far away could have been the babbling of the creek just the same. Think it'll hurt? I ask as another three stars shudder and fall away. You grip my hand tighter. Hope not. You are allowed to applaud. You did that last time. <laughs> I did. This is an applause both, both for your reading and for the poet who wrote it. My boy Keith's really good. Follow him. Yeah. I'm guessing it's a him because it says boy Keats. Yeah, sorry if we misgendered you. Yeah. <laughs> Keats. Keats. Mr. Keats. Mr. Keats, so good. Yeah, it's really good and very fitting. It is very fitting. And I like, I mean, obviously there's parts of it that kind of carries in like to Rose overall, like the word doomsday mm-hmm. and angels walking the streets, which yeah. is also an army of ghosts. It's very evocative. Yeah, but of that imagery, but just, just the apocalypse happening and mm-hmm. the end of the world, and two people standing there together talking about it like it's, just trying to make sense of it, holding hands. Yeah, yeah, and that's it for today's episode. That's it. Oh, how do you? <laughs> wow. Okay, we're done. Well, um, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We um, will be back next time with the next episode. With The uh, Unquiet Dead. The Unquiet Dead. And uh, we hope you keep tuning in and we'll see you then. Yes. We're looking forward to it. Yes. Bye. Bye.